Well, good morning, church. Anyone else excited to be in worship this morning? Oh, man. I'm excited to be in worship this morning. I hope you are too. I want to welcome those of you that are worshiping online as well. We're so grateful that you're here today. And one of our core values here at Warehouse Church is that one of the things that we value the most is we love to celebrate stories. And uh, we love to celebrate God's big story, and we love to celebrate the little stories that God's doing in our lives. And so a couple stories that I just wanted to celebrate this morning before we jump into our message. Uh, first of all, it is James and Bell's one-year anniversary. And so, uh, so we want to say uh, happy anniversary to them. And so they have been married for one entire year. It's so cool. And uh, so uh, we're so excited for them. And uh, the second story I want to share, I want to brag on one of our folks, uh, Karen uh, uh, Hall, who uh, was sharing with us in one of our meetings about uh, an act of kindness that she did. And I love this story, and I love that uh, it's so simple. And so just because we're done with 21 days of kindness doesn't mean that we stop being kind to one another, right? And so she uh, lives by a rehab center. She drives by it every day on the way to and from work, and she's kind of built a relationship with some of the folks there uh, as she's driven by and gotten to know some of those folks and some of the residents. And so she decided one day, she said, hey, I'm going to bring y'all pizza one day. And she did. She uh, ordered pizza and brought it to them, and they were uh, just wowed. Uh, they were wowed by the moment. They were wowed for a couple of reasons. One, that she brought them pizza, but two, the kind of pizza that she brought them, right? Like she, They're like, you could have brought us frozen pizza. You could have brought us little Caesars pizza, but you brought us like Pizza Hut pizza, and it was amazing, and they were so excited that someone brought them like top-tier pizza, not Little Caesars, not frozen pizza, and I love that. I love that she uh, just took some time to order the pizza and to just drop it off and to say, hey, I just want you to know that we're here for you. We love you guys, and, uh, and, uh, and they said to her, they said, so why are you doing this? And she talked about uh, 21 Days of Kindness, and they go, well, we want to go to that church, right? They were like, we want to go to a church that, that does that, and so I love that. So I just want to encourage you, even though we're uh, beyond 21 Days of Kindness, even though we kind of left that behind. Uh, don't stop being kind. Like, don't stop looking for ways uh, to share kindness with other people because it impacts the lives of so many different people. And so, uh, so I hope that you'll continue to do that. And if you see Karen, I can't see you out there uh, past the second row today. Uh, so Karen, if you're out there, way to go. Uh, I'll give you a high five. Uh, thanks for doing that. And uh, so welcome back to week two. Uh, of our teaching uh, series called The Gift Exchange. So we've been hanging out and talking about this idea of the gift exchange, and we're talking about the gifts that God gives us in exchange for trusting Him with our biggest hurts, our habits, and our hangups, right? And so last week, we talked about giving God our worry, and when we give God our worry, He will give you peace but not just any kind of peace. We talked about this supernatural peace, a peace that passes all understanding, uh, a peace that guards our hearts and our minds. And so that if we will give God our worries in exchange for his supernatural peace. And this week we're going to talk about giving God our hurts in exchange for healing. And next week we're going to talk about giving God our grief in exchange for joy. Now, before we dive in, uh, we're spending all of December, we're, we're giving some gifts of our own every week. And every, pers- every week and every service, we're giving one gift away. And so this week, I thought it would be fun to give our gift to the person that drives the farthest to come to church. And so let's just say, if uh, let's start out, if you drive 15 miles or more to come to church, raise, uh, stand up, stand up for me, because I can't really see. So if you drive 15 uh, miles or more, uh, you, Jacob, you got to sit down because we already gave it to Haley. So sorry, you're out uh, at the early service. No, no, keep standing. 15 miles or more except for Jacob. Uh, everyone else keep standing. Now, if you drive uh, 20 miles or more, keep standing. So if you drive less than 20 miles, sit down. Uh, ooh, it's got some more than 20 miles. All right, if you drive more than 23 miles, anyone do Okay, 24. All right, let's go uh, 28 miles. 
All right, Jessica, stand back up. Jessica, you're our winner. Let's give it up for Jessica. It is Jessica, right? I can't see. I'm really having a hard time seeing. All right, come on up here, Jessica. You got a gift for you. Got a gift, got a gift, got a gift. But you got to come quick. It's like the price is right, all right? So we got an ad. We got a commercial coming up soon. So um, pick one. You can't have both. You got to pick one, right or left. You want the big one. All right, open it up quick. Open it up. What'd you get? What'd you get? What'd you get? A pony. A Red Rider BB gun. It's a cozy. Get cozy. We're going to make it really hard. It's a blanket. All right, sweet. Let's give it up. You got a nice blanket to keep you warm. So, uh, awesome. So we're just having fun. We just want to give away gifts. And so, uh, so hope that you enjoy that. Uh, who knows where we'll go next week. Um, but this week, like I said, we're talking about giving our hurts in exchange for healing. And, uh, and so let's pray, though, and let's invite the Spirit to come and join us as we open up the Word and we discover what He talks about here. Father God, we just pray for our time together this morning. Lord, we're so thankful for worship. God, we're thankful that we can come and we can sing your praises together in community. And Father, my prayer is that right now, as we get ready to dive into your Word, that you would remove the scales from our eyes, you'd unplug our ears, and you'd soften our hearts today so that we could see, hear, and know exactly what it is that you have for us. So, Father, I believe with all my heart that you have something for every single person in this room. And so, Lord, we want to see that, and we want to hear that, and we want to know what it is that you want to say to us. So, Lord, may we leave here different than when we came, and may we leave here with hope. In your name we pray. Amen. So, as we think about this idea of giving God our hurts in exchange for healing, I wonder, have you ever had one of those days where nothing seems to go right? Anyone ever had one of those days where nothing seems to go right? So, uh, so we all have had those, and uh, I call them the worst day ever moments, right? My worst day ever moments, and you may have had uh, some of those worst day ever moments also. And so when I was thinking about uh, my worst day moments and what I wanted to share, I thought about when I was young. So I thought about what were some of the, young, uh, what are some of the worst day ever moments that I had as a young man, and I discovered that most of my worst day ever moments when I was a young man happened in my car. And, uh, and so I, I thought I'd share a few of those with you. I remember one of my first worst day ever moments was when I got my first, uh, got, the first time I got pulled over uh, by, the, by the police. And, uh, and I remember I was driving home uh, from, uh, from this restaurant called Grandy's, and my mom was in the car with me. So my mom was in the car in the passenger seat. I was driving. I got pulled over. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's not embarrassing enough to get pulled over, but my mom is sitting in the car with me. And so uh, the officer pulls up, you know, walks up to the car, uh, registration, license, all that good stuff. And my mom begins to tell him, oh, I, she goes, well, what did he do? And the officer said, well, ma'am, your son rolled through the stop sign. And I'm like, do people even give tickets anymore for rolling through stop signs? I don't know, but I got one. And, uh, and so he said, well, your son rolled through the stop sign. She goes, no, he didn't. And I'm like, mom, just let him give me the ticket. And she goes, no, you didn't. You stopped. I know. You got a complete stop. I felt the car go backwards. I'm like, mom, it'll be all right. And, uh, and so I'm like, just take the, take the license, give me a ticket, whatever. And, uh, and she proceeds to get out of the car. <laughs> My mom gets out of the car, y'all, and she starts having a conversation with the officer in the back of the car talking about, and, 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 and I can only imagine the things that my mom's saying, like, you don't understand, his dad just died, he's in a horrible time, I know that he stopped, you can't give him a ticket, and she's going on and on, I'm like, mom, just let me have the ticket and go, because here's the deal, the stop sign that I got pulled off, or pulled, uh, pulled over by, was, uh, was a major traveling point for all my high school friends. Like, all my high school friends were driving by. They're honking their horns. They're yelling. They're laughing. And I'm, like, so embarrassed. And so my mom's in the car. My friends are making fun of me. And I couldn't get out of there fast enough. And it was, like, the worst day ever. 
And then I thought about the second worst day ever when I was young. And, and, uh, and so when I was uh, in high school and, and, and a freshman in college, I had a 1986 Mustang GT 5.0. You have to have the 5.0 because that makes it really fast. And so it was a fast car, and, uh, and I like to drive fast. And I remember uh, my freshman year of college, I would drive from uh, a suburb of Tampa to the University of South Florida in Tampa, and I had to drive on Interstate 75, I-75, y'all know that. And so I'd drive back and forth, and this one day there was this Alfa Romeo. And he was just going with me the whole way from the time I left the school uh, all the way to Interstate 75. He's egging me on at every traffic light, just revving his engine and just being a real, uh, just a real temptation for me. And so I resisted until we got on the on-ramp to 75. And I was like, I'm going to show him who's boss, right? Like, I'm going to give him that 5.0 and I'm going to give him all of that 5.0. And so I let it go. I dropped the hammer. We are flying down Interstate 75 and we are just going neck and neck. He would go up. I would go up. We would go up. I do not recognize recommend this, by the way. And, uh, and so, but I'm the one, he, he pulled off onto an exit ramp and I kept going and then I pulled off on the next exit ramp. Well, the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office was waiting for me on that exit ramp. And he pulled me over and, uh, and he said this, he walked up and he's licensed and registration. He goes, do you know how fast you were going, son? That's what he said. Do you know how, before he even asked for my license and registration, do you know how fast you were going, son? Now, I don't know what was Ford was thinking about putting a speedometer in a Mustang GT 5.0 that only went to 85. It only went to 85. And I looked at that officer, and I highly not recommend this. I said, well, sir, I don't really know because my speedometer only goes to 85. <laughs> and right then, he pulled out the ticket book and just started writing away. And I got a ticket. And I remember that that was what I thought to be the worst day ever, but then my mom found out about the ticket, and here's what my mom did, because she was a smart mom. She took my Mustang GT 5.0 to the Toyota dealership, and she traded it in. She sold it and traded it in, and she got me a 1986 Honda Civic four-door, five-speed, wouldn't-get-out-of-its-own-way car. Yeah. It was a piece of junk, y'all. <laughs> worst day ever. And then I thought, you know what, uh, a little fast forward a little bit. Now I'm out of college and I'm a youth pastor at a church. And, and uh, we had a main street, which was very much like the street that goes up to, um, uh, up to uh, um, Billy Ray's. And, uh, and our main street was very similar to that. And our, our main street looked very similar to that, just a little longer, a little bigger. And, and, uh, and I had another Mustang because as soon as I could, I bought another Mustang. And uh, I bought a 1993 Mustang GT 5.0 convertible this time. And, uh, and so we were at church, and uh, we were having an event, and I needed to go get something. And so I said, oh, I'll go get it. I'll be back in a hurry. And so I jump in my car, and I am flying down Main Street. And, uh, and I got pulled over by the Leesburg Police Department. And here I am in the middle of Main Street on a busy Saturday and people from the church are driving back and forth. And my students, uh, some of them were on their way to the event. And they're all hooping and hollering. And here I am. It's obvious that that's my, everybody knew my car. And I was so embarrassed. But this time, the officer said, do you know how fast you were going? And I said, yes, sir. I was going 55 and a 35. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And he said, okay. And he didn't give me a ticket. But it was still one of my worst day evers. And I know you probably have some worst day ever moments in your life too. And, and probably much more worse than getting a ticket or getting pulled over with your mom in the car. Uh, you may have uh, even had one of your worst day ever moments this week. 
Maybe it happened even today. And maybe, maybe you got a bad diagnosis or, or maybe you and your spouse had a heated argument or, or maybe uh, you woke up and you had the flu and it was the worst flu you've ever had or, or maybe you found out after uh, that, that someone that you cared about and loved passed away and you've all had these worst day ever moments. We've all had bad days. We've all had moments where suffering comes into our lives because we all have experienced really bad days. And I imagine when Mary and Joseph were uh, sitting back and they were thinking about that first Christmas and they were thinking about all the things that happened on that first Christmas and they were, they probably reminisced about a few worst day ever moments. Uh, and they probably were talking about uh, number one on the list was having to travel 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem on a donkey while Mary was pregnant and was going to give birth to that baby at any moment. And they were probably thinking that was the worst day ever. That was the worst day ever. Like, Joseph, how could you put me through that? Why did we have to do that? Or, or how about when they got to Bethlehem and they didn't have any place to stay? Like, Joseph didn't get on Expedia.com. He didn't reserve an Airbnb and there was no place for them in the inn. And I found this meme on social media. It's been bouncing around and, and it's uh, Mary and Joseph. Uh, you know, Mary's on the donkey. Joseph is being the donkey. I mean, he's on the next tour. And he says, he says, don't be mad. He's talking to Mary. He says, don't be mad. I said I was sorry. I should have made reservations. He's like, talk to me, Mary. And he's like, Mary, Mary. And she looks at him. She's like, I'm fine. And it says how silent night began. <laughs> right? Like worst day ever. Or, or how about the delivery room where baby Jesus, the king, where the savior of the world was born, the delivery room, he was born and much like a barn, more like a cave, but much like a barn filled with animals and all the sounds and all the smells that come along with that. Not the ideal location, right? Like not, not when you as a mom, when you're imagining what it's going to be like to have this baby, it's not what you picture in your mind as the perfect place to have a baby, especially the savior of the world. And, 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 and so I'm sure in, in a bit of a moment, she's like, oh, this is the worst day ever. Having my baby, the savior of the world, in the backyard of an inn in a cave with smelly animals and have to lay him uh, his first crib be a feeding trough with hay and having to swat the donkeys and the cows away from the hay because they're trying to eat the hay that Jesus is laying on. Worst day ever. And then I thought about the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul is responsible for writing a good part of the New Testament. Uh, he, uh, he becomes just a, a, a force to be reckoned with when it comes to spreading the gospel. Before he met Jesus, he was a force to be reckoned with because he was against Christians. But then he meets Jesus and his life is transformed. And now he becomes this force to be reckoned with in spreading the gospel to all the known world, to Gentiles and beyond. And, and he shares these bad days that he had, because he had some bad days too. He experienced some worst day ever moments, and he shares those with us. And if you have your Bibles, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 23, Paul begins to just list his worst day ever moments. He says this, starting in 23, he says, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times, he says, I received 
from the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. Now, you might be like, what's that all about? Well, the Jews would always say, let's just go to 39. Just in case we miscounted, we'll just count to 39 and call it a day. And so it'd be, it, they called it 40 lashes minus one. And, and three times, he says, I've been beaten with rods. He says, once I was pelted with stones. I mean, can you imagine having rocks chunked at you? I mean, can you imagine that? And the feeling of being, uh, of these boulders and these rocks and these pebbles being thrown at you by a crowd. He says, I was, that happened to me once. He says, three times I was shipwrecked. Like he didn't, like Gilligan's Island has nothing on Paul. He was shipwrecked three times. And, and he spent a night, he says, in a day in the open sea, floating in the open sea. He says, I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers. I've been in danger from bandits. I've been in danger from fellow Jews. I've been in danger from Gentiles. I've been in danger in cities. I've been in danger in the country. And I've been in danger at sea and in danger from false believers. Like everybody has been after Paul. He's had some worst day ever moments. Verse 27 says, I've labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and I've known thirst and I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. So Paul, this great giant of the faith has experienced some epic Worst day ever moments. Like our worst day ever moments, if we were comparing, would be nothing compared to those. Like none of us can say I've been shipwrecked once, more or less three times. Maybe you have, but I haven't. Uh, or, or none of us can say that we have been, had rocks thrown at I can't say stone because that wouldn't work. But you have rocks thrown at you, right? None of us have had rocks pelted at us. He's just had these epic worst day ever moments. He's been imprisoned, he's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked, he's been chased down, he's, been, he's gone hungry. And how did he get through that? Like, how did he get through all of that pain and suffering? How did he overcome it? Well, he talks about it and writes about it at the beginning of this letter. At the beginning of the letter that he writes to the church at Corinth, uh, he talks to them in the second letter uh, about how God has offered him as a gift this idea of comfort, that he tells us what God offered him as a gift in those moments, and that's where I want us to spend the rest of our time together this morning. We've all had worst day ever moments. Paul has had some epic worst day ever moments, but then he tells us how he overcame those moments in his life. So first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 3 through 7 together. And here's what he says. He says right off the bat, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And then he talks about his own struggle and he says, for just as we, just as the apostles share abundantly and the sufferings of Christ, just as we suffer the ways that Christ has suffered, he said, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So Paul's saying, listen, we've all suffered, all of the apostles, we've suffered in the very much the same way that Christ has suffered. But he says, but also our comfort comes from Christ as well. It's in Christ that we find our comfort. He says in verse 6, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patience and endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so 
also you share in our comfort. Now, as we look at this passage, there's a couple words that jump out that are very present in this passage. We see this word comfort a lot. As a matter of fact, in one form or another, it appears, it appears over nine times in just seven verses. And, and that's pretty significant. And I, I would tell you that anytime you're reading scripture and you see a word that is repetitive, a word that the author repeats over and over again, you probably should pay attention to it. And so Paul uses this word comfort. And even more than this, on the worst day of his life, on the worst days of his life, the darkest days, Paul says that he was able to get through his sufferings because he worshiped the God who comforts us in all our troubles. And so the first thing that I think that we can learn from this passage about dealing with our pain and dealing with our hurts is simply this, that when you give God your troubles, he will give you his comfort. That when we offer God our troubles, our pain, and our suffering, he will give us his comfort. Paul tells us that God comforts us in all our troubles. Not just some of them, not just the small ones, not just the big ones, but Paul says that God comforts us in all our troubles. And, and do you notice that when you see the word trouble in our passage, it's often found near the word comfort. Because, I, because we should know exactly what Paul means when he says trouble. Because the word trouble for you might mean one thing and for someone else might mean another. But in the Greek, in the original language, the word Paul uses for trouble is a general word that you would use for any suffering, any pain, any affliction, any uh, annoyance or inconvenience. That any of those things Paul would say are trouble. Sickness is trouble. Anxiety is trouble. Any of the things that you want to fill in the blank. So, so that sickness that you're facing is trouble. The addiction that you struggle with is trouble. The stress that you're dealing with at work is trouble. The bad blood that you have between you and a family member is trouble. Any affliction or any pain or any annoyance is trouble. And here's the deal. We all have them, right? We all have troubles. And I think it's worth mentioning that Jesus said that we're going to have trouble in this world. He promised us that even though we declare that we are followers of Jesus Christ, that he's our Lord and our Savior, that doesn't exempt us from experiencing troubles. John 16, says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I have told you these things so that... Uh, in me, in me, that's important. I would like to underline that. In me, you may have peace. In this world, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. We will all face troubles in all shapes, in all sizes. And along with, the tr with trouble, Paul always follows it with the word comfort. And he says that in all of our troubles, God comforts us. And none of the problems you are facing, hear this, none of the problems that you are facing are too small for God to care about, and none of them are too big for him to handle. Not one of your worst day ever moments is too small 
for God to care about. Like, you're not going to bug God if you say, God, I really like, there's this ache in my elbow. I just can't get rid of it. God cares about it. That's trouble. But he also cares, cares about the big worst day ever moments, like losing a loved one or, or, uh, or being in ICU in the hospital or struggling with an addiction. God, none of those are too big for God. And so that's what Paul means when he talks about trouble. But then he says comfort. And I thought, well, what does comfort mean? Like if trouble is all of those things, what, what is exactly does he mean when he says comfort? Because when I hear the word comfort, like I think of my favorite pair of jeans, right? There's like, there's this, always this pair of jeans that you really like. They just, they're comfortable and you like to wear them. Or, or maybe there's that quilt. Like for me, there's this quilt that I've had for years that I have a hard time sleeping if I don't have that quilt with me. Or, or, uh, or how about that first class seat uh, on an airplane that I'll never get to enjoy, right? Because, uh, because but, but, but there's that comfort, uh, because you got leg room, and you, I think of that when I think of comfort. I'm six foot one, so any leg room is great on an airplane, and so that's comfort. But then I, when I think of comfort, I also think of like a mom, right? I think of a mom comforting her child because he fell down and hurt himself, and and what does the mom do? But he wraps, she wraps her arms around her precious child, and she soothes him and comforts him and says, "It's gonna be okay." And none of these images that I just described accurately represent the word comfort that is being used by Paul in this passage. For Paul, the word comfort didn't mean a comfortable pair of jeans. For Paul, the word comfort didn't mean to cuddle or to give sympathy to a loved one. That's not what he's talking about. It means more to him than just a temporary relief from pain or being at ease which is like the modern sense of the word. You see, for us, the Greek word that describes comfort, it involves uh, to uh, being able to rest, being able to rest because God carries our burdens and gives us strength to keep going. That's the kind of comfort that Paul's talking about. You see, if you don't get this right, you're gonna miss the entire meaning of this passage Because for Paul, comfort meant being able to rest because God picks up your burdens and carries them and gives you strength, the ability to keep going. What Paul experienced on his worst day ever moments was the strengthening of God to give him a peaceful, restful spirit to meet the troubles that he was facing head on. That's what comfort means in the scriptures. And too often, we as Christians, we dread facing our troubles, right? Like we dread facing it because we don't want to experience the hurt. We don't want to experience the pain, or we don't want to experience the pressure, or we don't want to experience the stress. And and oftentimes, we never invite the God of comfort to come and to strengthen and sustain us in our time of need. Listen, God's comfort, God's strengthening is available to you for whatever troubles you might be facing right now, for whatever pain, whatever hurt, whatever inconvenience, whatever uh, thing you are facing, God's strengthening, his comfort is available for you. Listen to what Paul says again in verse three. He says, praise be to God the Father, 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. You see, Paul gives God praise for the circumstances in his life. Even though they seem like the worst day ever, God is giving, or Paul is giving God praise for them. He calls on the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. When he was being stoned, he calls on the God of comfort to face that. When he was shipwrecked, he called on the God of comfort. When he was being chased down, he was calling on the God of comfort. He sees those worst day ever moments as opportunities for the release of God's strength in his life. And he doesn't pray for them to be removed so that he can escape them, but rather he invites God to be his comfort while he goes through them. You see, so often we pray that God will remove the mountain that is in front of us. When Paul would argue that you pray that God would go with you through the mountain. And that's what the God of comfort does for each and every one of us on our worst days ever. If we will invite him and share our hurts and our pains and say, God of comfort, come and be with me and strengthen me as I face this. You see, God reaches down into our messy lives and he strengthens us in the midst of our troubles. It is God's grace and it is by God's grace that he strengthens us to endure our worst day ever's. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 reminds us that God's grace is sufficient in all circumstances. That in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, Paul would say that Jesus is enough. That Jesus is enough. He'll bring the comfort that we need, the strength that we need to endure whatever it is that we're facing. The Bible also talks about where our comfort comes from. And, and, and I want to share with you that uh, the, the, the comfort comes from a few different ways. God's comfort does. The first way that it, it comes through a relationship with Jesus. Like you will never experience complete comfort unless you have a relationship with Jesus. That's where it begins, a personal relationship with Jesus. But then it, when we say yes to Jesus and we receive him as our Lord and Savior, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, one of the descriptors or one of the adjectives used to describe the Holy Spirit is comforter. And so in the midst of our trials and tribulations and in the midst of our pain and our suffering, the Holy Spirit brings us comfort, brings us the strength that we need to endure whatever it is we're facing. But it also, we find comfort in the Word of God, don't we? Like in those moments, in those dark moments of our lives, I don't know about you, but I go to God's Word to find comfort. I often find myself trolling through Psalms to look for some comfort in the midst of what I'm facing. And so we find comfort in the word of God. And finally, we find comfort in other believers. This is why coming together is so important. This is why community, this is why church is so important, is that we find comfort in one another, that we lift each other up. We, we share our strength with each other. 
That when you come and hear and you're struggling and you're down and you, you're facing trials and you're facing pain and you're facing suffering, you don't have to do it alone because there's a church family called Warehouse Church that walks with you in the midst of your suffering. So God's comfort comes from, flows from all of these different relationships, but it begins with a relationship with Jesus, and it continues through a relationship with each other. His comfort isn't just for us. I just want you to hear that too. God's comfort isn't just for us. God's never-failing comfort has a purpose. Your pain and your suffering, God takes that pain and that suffering and those worst day ever moments and he uses them for a purpose. Verse four goes on, Paul goes on to tell us that God's, God comforts us so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. You see, our comfort's not just about us. God's comfort for Christ is not merely for our own benefit in times of trouble. God's comfort is also a gift. And that means that as a gift, it's to be shared with others. And so the second thing that I think we can learn uh, from Paul today in the scripture is that when God uh, gives you his comfort, you can give comfort to others. When God gives you his comfort, you can in turn share that comfort with those around you. You see, receiving God's comfort is never just about you and your pain. It's never just about you and your pain. Its purpose is not only for your benefit, but it's also for the benefit of others down the road as well. Comfort is given to us to be used by passing it on to other people. And so when you walk through troubles and you trust them to God, receiving his comfort is like going to school and learning how to, be, how to comfort others that experience the same things that you experience. Some of my worst day ever moments in my life have equipped me to be a comfort for other people. Like losing my dad at the age of 17 in such a violent way has equipped me and empowered me to be able to comfort others who experience loss suddenly in their lives as I did with my dad. I'm able to comfort those in ways that other people are not. I'm able to comfort a, a young person who loses a parent instantly. Maybe it was a heart attack, maybe it was a violent act, maybe it was a sickness, but they didn't expect it, they didn't see it coming. And that'll turn a kid's life upside down and I'm able to comfort them because I've experienced the same thing. Uh, losing my first marriage has equipped me to encourage other couples who are struggling, who are considering throwing in the towel and calling it quits. Because of the pain and the hurt and the suffering that I experienced, but also the comfort that I experienced from God in that moment has equipped me and empowered me to be a comfort to others who are experiencing very similar things. You see, God doesn't help us in our time of need just so that we'll keep it to ourselves. No. He comforts us so that we can bring comfort 
to others. Isn't that just like God? Isn't that just like Him? Never selfish, always thinking of the other person, always being kind. See, whatever worst day ever moment you've had and whatever comfort you receive, that's not just for you. It's a gift that God has given you so that you are able to comfort others. Listen, I don't know what worst day ever moments you are experiencing right now, but I do know this. I know that I know that I know that God promises to exchange your hurts, to exchange your pain, to exchange your suffering for the gift of his holy, never-ending You don't have to endure the pain and suffering when it comes. If you will trust God with your hurt, if you'll learn to trust him with your pain, if you'll learn to trust him with your sickness, and he will always exchange it for his comfort. Just like Paul said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So as we close in prayer, church, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, if you came in here today with suffering, with pain, with sickness, with stress, came feeling overwhelmed, let me just invite you to share that hurt and that pain and that suffering with God, with the God of comfort, believing, believing that he will carry your burdens and he will strengthen you in your time of need. He will. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for the gift of Christmas. God, we thank you that you came from up there to down here in the most strangest of ways, in the form of a baby born in a barn. tells us that you're Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, I know that there are some folks in here this morning that are hurting, Lord. God, I know that they are experiencing pain. I know that they're experiencing suffering. I know that they're experiencing sickness and stress. They're overwhelmed. Lord, my prayer is that this morning that they would know that you are the God of comfort and that your comfort means that you will give them the strength to endure whatever it is they're facing. And not only will you give them the strength, but you will take their burdens and you will carry them. 
God of comfort, would you come? Would you reach into our hearts and our lives? And would you strengthen us? Father, I know there's probably someone in this room who has never experienced your salvation. They've never said yes to you. They've never opened up their hearts and said, Lord, you come and be my Lord and my Savior. Lord, my prayer is that today, that today would be the day that they would invite you into their lives. That today would be the day that they would say yes, Lord. That today would be the day that they would realize that while their life is a mess and their life is full of sin, that you are a God of love. You are a God of forgiveness. You are a God of salvation. And you are a God of comfort. So if that's you today, you're here. You've never invited Jesus into your life. There's no secret to it. You just tell Jesus, Jesus, I want you to come and be the number one thing in my life. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. Forgive me of my shortcomings. Turn my upside down life right side up. Come and bring healing and comfort Lord, I've tried to live life on my own and it's just not working. But I want to I want to experience that love and that joy and that peace and that comfort that comes from knowing you. So I invite you into my life today. Come and be my Lord and my Savior. I may not get it all, but I do get this. I need you to be in my life right now. Just tell Jesus that. Father God, we thank you again for the gift of comfort. God, we thank you that you take all of our hurts and our pains and our sufferings and you strengthen us and you carry our burdens so that we can face them together, never alone. You are so good, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, we're gonna sing one song, last song together. And uh, as we do, I just want to invite you, if you'd like to come up and spend some time in prayer, that this area up here is our altar area. Our home is your home, so you're welcome to come and spend time in prayer. Maybe you want to just offer God some of your hurts and pains. Maybe you do want to come and say, God, I, I want to be on my knees and I want to pray before you and invite you into my life. Or maybe you just want to come and celebrate. Like celebrate the good things that God has done for you, how he's comforted you in your worst day ever moments. Whatever it is that you need, you come. If you want someone to pray with you, I'm right there on the front row, just tap me. I'd be honored and happy to pray with you. And so let's stand together and let's worship together with joy in our hearts for knowing that our God loves us and comforts us in our time of need. Let's stand together.